Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Please welcome our Pastor Cameron. Oh, great. It's good being here with you. And I realize um, I actually haven't been in, in church for two weeks. Like I haven't been in any church for two weeks, which is really, huh? It, for me, that would that would quali- that would uh, qu- yeah, quantify backsliding. <laughs> so I did have a whole week in a pastor's seminar, in which we did three sessions a day. So I guess that kind of I, I kind of I, I built up a reservoir, <laughs> and then uh, and then I took a week off and uh, and rode my motorcycle around Lake uh, Superior. Boom. By the way, it was a great ride. It was a great ride. If they ever built a road for a motorcycle to ride on, that's it, man. That, that ride o- along the northern coast is, of Superior is just fantastic. Not going to talk about that. I, and I'll talk about that if you want after the service. <clears throat> but uh, we, we're continuing this series, and actually, this is the final uh, one of well, the series. No, there's one more. There's one more. Restoration in a couple weeks. Yeah, so our, our core values for both our network. <clears throat> And uh, our church uh, is this acronym FIRE, and um, it was really the, the image of fire, the, uh, you know, God is described as a, an all-consuming fire, and, you know, that can be scary, but if you're a flame, if you're a flame, fire isn't scary, okay? And so if we have the attribute and the characteristics of God, being in God's presence uh, is something that is, is good. We, we feel comfortable there. And so, uh, and the fire of God is just a, is, is <clears throat> used to describe the revival atmosphere that our network was born in. But the, the letters stand for very important truths or, or things that we emphasize as a church and as a movement. And the first is the father heart message of God, that God's a loving father. And so we, we preach that a lot. We integrate that in all that we do and all that we teach. God is not a distant judge that is angry at you. God doesn't have his hand raised up ready to, to hammer you down. Okay? No, God so loved the world. The Father so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, to die. That So whoever should believe in him could be redeemed. All right? and be rescued. And so God loves each man, woman, and child on planet Earth and has done and will do and continues to do everything in his power to rescue mankind, to rescue you, to rescue each person from the entrapment of sin and the deception that comes through Satan. All right, And so the message that God is a father and that he loves his children is really important. Uh, intimacy and hearing God, understanding that we're called into a relationship, of inti- an intimate relationship, a closeness with God. And we also believe that means a closeness to one another. And uh, it's great that in the New Testament, we see them adopt this terminology of brother and sister. That throughout the New Testament, people, even though they were of different ethnicities, even within the first uh, uh, generation of the church, you know, the, the 12 disciples, I just read this, uh, uh, this totally randomly came across this a few days ago, 
Um, there's a church in India that still exists today. It's, it's like you have the Catholic Church, right? And you have the Orthodox Church. We know about these churches, the Coptic Church, which is in, uh, mostly in Africa. But there's, I forget the name of it, but there's a, there's a whole church that has been around since uh, the time of the disciples um, that still exists today that was founded by the Apostle Thomas, Doubting Thomas. He went to India. And we know it's true. We don't have record of it written. Uh, we have his, historical references to it. But there are churches. There's actually churches that still exist. And they say we were founded by the Apostle uh, Thomas. As, uh, as the different apostles went to different directions. We have the record of the Apostle Paul because he wrote the most. And, um, and, the, and uh, the, where the Roman Empire that was influenced by his ministry was the predominant uh, civilization. So we have the most information from him. Anyways, that's, that's a sideline. So <clears throat> um, there's brother and sister, even though we're from different ethnicities, different families, and that we're to in, be intimate with God, intimate with one another. Here I'm going through the whole series. <laughs> uh, restoration, which is getting healed up physically. Uh, we believe that. We believe in physical healing. Healing, but also emotional healing, spiritual healing. It's restoring your, your body, soul, mind, uh, and spirit to the fullness of what God has. We believe that God is still doing that, and he offers that to all of us. But what I'm talking about is the E, <clears throat> all right? The extending the kingdom. So that's what today's message is about. And I, uh, I hope, and my goal for today, is to really encourage you. Simply to encourage you and to um, compel you to, um, to, to hopefully, when you leave, you'll go, you know what? It's possible. All right? What's possible? Extending the kingdom of God. What that means and... Um, that it, to get a vision for it, we need a vision for this extending of the kingdom of God. I, I know John or not, who is the founder of our, our network, and uh, I've heard him say numerous times, um, people will ask him if you could do something different. You know, he's, he's in his late 70s. Um, actually, the revival that started our movement, he was... Uh, just, uh, I think, 50, 55 when it started. And, um, you know, he's been stewarding it now for 25 years and influenced over 3 million. This was several years ago, so it's probably even more than that now. Over 3 million people came to this church from all over the world. Um, and a very influential man of God. But he said if he could do one thing different, he would have uh, increased the importance of evangelism and witnessing and extending the kingdom in, in all of what his ministry did. Because, um, you know, the Father Heart message was, is so radical and so restorative and, you know, and all the other things seem to get the most attention. But his heart and my heart is really about seeing the lost one. Okay? And that's what extending the kingdom means. You know, it's like extending the reach of the gospel. And the passage I'm going to teach on is pretty familiar. <laughs> Matthew 28, 16. Let's read it, and then I'm just going to talk about it uh, for as long as you sit here listening to me. <laughs> 
Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee. Okay, let's set the, the stage for this. This is the end. These are the final verses of the Gospel of Matthew. This is after Jesus, the story of his birth, his uh, uh, growing up, his ministry, all of the miracles that he did, his arrest, his crucifixion. He was buried, and then he rose from the dead and uh, appeared to all of his disciples and actually appeared to hundreds of people. And this is right before he ascended into heaven, the ascension. He gathers together his disciples. At that point, there were only 11 on a mountain. And he said to the 11 disciples, so these are the parting words of Jesus Christ to the few disciples that were left. The very, uh, uh, and so these are very important words. Uh, uh, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. In other words, he told them, meet me here. And so they went there. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is known as the Great Commission, and just for those of you who are are familiar with my teaching. I don't have slides for all my notes. I just have the verses today. I'm actually using a different app called the paper app. Uh (laughs) Um, But uh, this is the Great Commission. And uh, uh, the church has, has seen this as its primary calling since the very first, uh, since Jesus said this. This was the words of the head of the church, the commander of the host of the armies of heaven, the, the leader of the church, the master to his disciples, the teacher to his students. He says, this is what you need to do. You need to go into all the world and make disciples. And so I want to encourage you that the Great Commission is being fulfilled in our day. Okay? And one of the things that I encounter most frequently amongst Christians is that they don't believe that, all right? It's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I know we're told to do that, but it doesn't work. Now, most Christians won't say that, but that's how we operate, you know? It doesn't really work. It's not really, I don't see it, and so they don't actually believe it. But I'm telling you, it's happening. Do you know that the people who study this stuff, there's a whole missiologist is what they call People are paid to study this. Most people aren't paid to study it. A few people get paid if they write good books and get sold. <laughs> but, uh, but lots of people study this. It's, it's a part of a, a, a academic uh, research. It's called missiology, which is the study of the work of the church. And the best estimate listen to this, is that about over 170,000 people a day, every day, that's the average, 170,000 get saved today. It's the fastest rate of salvation 
ever known in the history of the church. Wow. Okay? And they, and, and they say that's the conservative estimate. It's probably much more. But they're, they're really conservative about it. They want to, because they're academics, they don't want to get it wrong. And so it's probably, it could be twice that amount. You know, so th just think about that for a minute. Today, 170,000 people made the choice to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. Tomorrow, 170,000 people. There's only 50,000 people that live in Cass County. So that's three times plus the number of people that live in Cass County. That is amazing. Saints, yeah. that is amazing. Yeah. That's happening now. Wow. All right? It wasn't happening that fast at the time of the disciples. It wasn't happening that fast at the time of the great revivals of history. The great, uh, the great Awakening. You know, the Great Awakening only lasted less than three years. Mm. You know? Wow. And then it was completely fizzled. Uh, a lot of the historical revivals lasted months. But we're in a season of revival where tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people are being saved. The Great Commission is happening. and In fact, there's a supernatural acceleration of it in our day. And we have to believe that. We have to embrace that. All right? The Great Commission is an unstoppable command. Jesus said it. I believe it. It's happening, whether I see it or not. But sometimes you don't see what you don't believe. Okay? And if, but if you believe something, you start seeing it. That's right. And I could actually do I have a whole teaching on that. That's biblical. You see what you believe. I, uh, but if you don't believe something, you kind of dismiss it, you dismiss it, you dismiss it. I'm telling you the truth. It's happening, and it's happening in our day. And we have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to participate. All right? Listen up. Think of it. This is the hottest time to be in this market. <laughs> All right? And you have the choice. I've lived through some, a number of things like, boy, if I'd bought stock in Apple or Amazon or even Microsoft, you know, I'm like, but no, one, I didn't have any money, so it wasn't an option, <laughs> right? And all, all these guys are billionaires because they recognize this is the next thing and they, they invested in it. I'm telling you, this is the thing. That's not going to be a payoff for the next 10 years. It's an eternal payoff, and it's called the Great Commission. It's called extending the kingdom of God. All right, you have the choice to invest into it, to participate, 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 or you have the choice to sit back and say, it's not for me, and get caught up in our own personal struggles. Personal struggles are real. All right, our own insufficiencies, our own lacks, those things are real. But I'll tell you, when you get caught into the enthusiasm of sharing the gospel and seeing people's lives transformed to the message of Jesus, all of a sudden, your personal struggles, they actually seem to go away. They're easier to deal with. Because a lot of that stuff is just the enemy throwing stuff at you to keep you from your primary purpose which is this, 
fulfilling the Great Commission. All right? Let's just talk throughout. There's a couple things I want to point out uh, in this. It says, uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? These were his disciples. He had rose from the dead. All right? But what's the next words there? But some doubted. Why is that in the Bible? Sorry. Have you ever wanted, what the heck? If you were writing a story to convince people that Jesus was, you know, God of the universe, would you have put that line in that of the 11 disciples that were left right before he leaves the planet, some of those were doubting? Now, that's not a sales job, okay? It's truth. It's truth. I love that verse. I love those three words. Because it, it reveals the reality of the Christian walk. All right? These people saw Jesus walk on water. These people saw Jesus heal blind people. Raise dead people. These people saw Jesus hang on the cross and die. These people saw Jesus resurrected after he came out of the tomb. And yet, these people, when they saw Jesus, some of them doubted. And doubt doesn't stop the Great Commission. <laughs> it, Jesus doesn't skip a beat. The scripture doesn't stop here and say, oh, he, he, Jesus doesn't even deal with the doubt, does he? He doesn't address the doubt. Doubt doesn't limit Jesus giving the commission. All right? The presence of doubt doesn't hinder the power of God. Doubt in the disciples didn't deter or keep or restrict Jesus from trusting them with this commission. Doubt in their midst didn't prevent them who heard it to actually respond. I think this is a very, very powerful verse, and I think it can help. We don't know what the doubts are. Maybe they were doubting that, uh, you know, is this real? Like, is, is Jesus really there, or am I just imagining this? Maybe, maybe they were doubting, uh, you, know, you know, how could this be possible? Maybe they were doubting, <clears throat> wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, you're asking us to go change the world? And we just saw what happened to you when you tried to change the world? Maybe they were doubting themselves and not Jesus. It does, the Bible doesn't say. It just says there, were, there was doubt in the room. All right? And so listen, if you're experiencing doubt in your Christian walk, you're just like the disciples. They're no better, you're no worse. All right? It qualifies you. It qualifies you. Isn't that good? That encourages me. All right? Uh, <clears throat> it means that I don't need to fear. 
that uh, I'm not good enough. I don't need to be ashamed when I experience doubts. All right? Maybe uh, it means that when we have the opportunity to communicate the message of Jesus' life and his miracles and the truth of salvation to someone, but we're, we doubt whether or not we're good enough or able to communicate that, or we doubt that they're willing to listen, or we doubt that they will respond. You know what that means when we have those doubts? And I have those doubts. I've been, I've been a pastor for almost 35 years. I've preached the gospel to how many people I don't know. I, I don't even know how many people. And I, I don't keep track of numbers. I don't know how many people uh, I've actually uh, I've led to the Lord. It's, it's a lot. I should have kept track. I'm just not good with those numbers. Uh, but I still, when it comes up, I go, ah, I got to overcome a doubt. Is this the right time? I don't want to offend them. I don't, want, I don't want to embarrass them. Are they right? Are they open to this? Am I going to be able to communicate it? Or, gosh, man, yesterday was a really bad day. You know, I'm still praying through what I did yesterday. <laughs> Those are doubts. Right? It's in the midst of the doubts that the Great Commission was given. And so when you or I experience doubt, in the moment that we have the opportunity to share the gospel, don't be set back by that. Realize, oh, this is my chance to participate, to choose, to whether I'm going to participate in the Great Commission or I'm going to stand aside and on the sidelines and not participate. And so, uh, thankfully, the disciples overcame those doubts. And they went out and preached the gospel. And we see Peter standing up before uh, thousands uh, at the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people get saved that day. And throughout the book of Acts, we see the disciples standing up and preaching the gospel, even though it meant being uh, harassed, imprisoned. And, um, <clears throat> and we also need to stand up and take that step and communicate Jesus is who he said he is. Learn how to share the gospel. You know, I heard a friend of mine said it. I don't know if I'd ever heard this before, but when he said it, I was like, oh, that's really good. The ABCs of the gospel. You need to accept Jesus as your, as, uh, that he is who he, he is. He said he was, that he is Lord. You need to believe it. That means you need to take it on personally and invest your life into the fact that Jesus is your Lord, okay? And then you need to confess it. Uh, that You need to confess out loud uh, that Jesus Christ died for your sin, that God raised him from the dead, and that you commit your life to him to follow him forever. That's all it takes for someone who's not a Christian to believe a Christian. And it doesn't even take that. Uh, there's not like a formalized statement. Jesus never led someone in a sinner's prayer. Sinner's prayers did not uh, exist in the church until the 1700s. Okay, and the church grew and changed the world, okay, for almost uh, 1,500 uh, years or so, uh, uh, 1,700 years <laughs> before uh, a preacher uh, decided, let's have people come to the front and do an altar call and, and repeat these particular words, all right? Uh, the stating, the, the, uh, the creed 
for, for much of church history was the, uh, how someone actually confessed becoming a Christian and then being water baptized. And so <clears throat> knowing how to communicate the gospel and overcoming those doubts is so important. And I want to encourage you that those doubts don't uh, mean that you're exempt from uh, uh, fulfilling, uh, stepping into and participating in the Great Commission because it didn't exempt the, the disciples. And it, and it also means that it doesn't prevent you from doing your part in fulfilling the Great Commission and extending the kingdom. Um, I was at a church <clears throat> recently, and uh, it was actually a church in England, and I was with the, their leadership team. And there was about somewhere between 15 and 20 people in the room, in, this, in the pastor's uh, living room. It was a really nice place, and great people, educated people, uh, British people, you know, with the accent. They always come across smarter than us Americans. <laughs> uh, most of them are. <laughs> but uh, they were really just top-notch, highly committed you know, good Christian, solid. But something just in me just said, ask them this question. So I'm like, I'm going to ask a question. <clears throat> um, and I said, okay, guys, in the room, who here has actually led someone to the Lord? Who here uh, has, you know, was there the moment when and maybe led the prayer or said the words that was a time when someone wasn't a Christian, but then they became a Christian. Eighteen people in the room. One person. One person. This was back when I was in college. It's almost 20 years ago. I was, I was really? It's, don't, don't be ashamed here. The pastor didn't raise his hand. I was like, wow. This is the leadership of the church. And uh, you know what? It's pretty normal. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands here. Uh, because uh, it's very easy to become a Christian, and often we become a Christian kind of gradually. We grow up into it, and that's a valid way. Thank God, my kids all four of them, did not go through a season of being completely backslidden like I did and get radically saved out of a you know, horribly destructive lifestyle. All right? Those are great testimonies, but we don't want them for our kids. That's right. <laughs> All right? And it doesn't need to be that way. Yep. All right? But everybody has a testimony when, they, when it became personal to them. All right? Um, and we all have the opportunity to be the ones who help someone make that step. Can people get saved without that? Yes, absolutely. But almost always, it comes down to people fulfilling the Great Commission in which they go and make disciples by telling, asking people, you know, have you been saved? I was with Josh Muse. Earlier this year, he's the head of the Mexico uh, mission, uh, and we're sending a team down there uh, in a week or two to work down there. And I wasn't with him for more than four hours. And uh, this guy, who, he was actually a college professor, he was in the Bible study, and, and in, in the Bible study, one of the, an older guy there had not heard out of his one ear for as long as he could remember. 
And so Josh, instead of praying for this guy, said, hey, you, sit next to him, put your hand on the ear. And so he put his hand, and say this, and he told the guy what to say, and the guy was healed. His ear was healed. And of course, the guy who was most excited was the guy who put his hand on the ear, right? <laughs> the guy who got healed was good, too. He's, he became part of the church, and he's still part of the church. He's doing, they're doing great. But the guy who, got, who did the healing was, he wouldn't leave. We, the Bible study ended, we went back to Josh's house, and this guy is like, so excited, and he's like, wow, that power, you're, you have such power, and he's just going on and going on, and all of us, we kind of, kind of figured out, wait a minute, the way he's talking, that something's not right here, and Josh, because he's an evangelist, right, he like, he zoomed in on it, he says, listen, that's, that wasn't my power, he says, you, have, you can have the same power. And he, Josh said, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior? Oh, no, no, he said. I'm, I'm not good enough. Of course, that's a real easy one to answer. Okay, no one's good enough. If you're ever good enough, that makes you not good enough. <laughs> if you think you're good enough, you don't qualify because the message of the gospel is that only Jesus is good enough. Jesus was good enough, and he wants to live inside you. The power that you saw demonstrated to heal that ear can live inside you every day if you simply accept Jesus. And he had a few other things that he, he responded to. We talked for maybe about 10 minutes and Josh kept going back to, would you like to pray and ask him into your heart right now? Oh, no, this. So we talked about that a little bit. Would you like to ask Jesus? And he was like, yeah. I mean, I'm like, bam. <laughs> and he prays, and this guy gets saved. And this young guy, he's a college professor, but he was young. He was probably 28, 32, something like that. I don't know. He's younger than me. <laughs> a lot younger. <laughs> he gets so excited. I saw his countenance change. I know, and he's, he's, he's simple prayer. I accept Jesus as my Lord. I confess my sin bef uh, before him, and I believe that he is my Lord. I commit my life to him. Amen. And he's like, wow. He's like, what is this inside of me? <laughs> this, I feel so happy. He starts jumping around. And he goes, it's like I have a new family. He starts hugging us. It's like, whoa. Now, often it doesn't happen like that, okay? This was like over the top. And I was like, dang, I need to hang around Josh more. That's, and I, that's, that's why I keep going down there. <clears throat> so Josh is an evangelist. Evangelists have a gift. They can walk by somebody in an airport and they get saved, okay? <clears throat> and evangelism is the least often given spiritual gift, those who study it. Yeah, you know why? Because it takes, it's uh, only 10% of people actually uh, respond as an evangelist when, when taking surveys. And the answer is <clears throat> that it takes nine other Christians to care for each person an evangelist can win. <laughs> All right? It's true, man. Someone with the gift of evangelism can just win people. Boom, boom, boom. You know, but they need people to care for them and to nurture them, to pastor them. And that's where most of us fit in. But all of us, because we're disciples, are called to the Great Commission. You know, evangelism is not my primary gift. But I'm called to talk to people about Jesus 
because I'm a disciple. Evangelism is not your primary gift. Maybe, maybe it is. But you're called to extend the kingdom of God. And the way you do it is simply telling the story that, uh, of who Jesus is, what happened to Jesus, and how Jesus is the power and the truth and the life that can change anyone in any situation. You do not have to have all of the answers. And if they ask a question that you can't answer, just like this scripture reveals doubt, it's okay for you to be honest and say, that's a good question. I have no idea. But he does. Why don't you ask, let's ask Jesus right now and see if he says something. You know, wouldn't that be great? And you lead them in prayer and they go, wow, Jesus just told me. That happens. People that are newly saved are often really keen to hear because God wants that person more than you to become a Christian. The Holy Spirit is already active. If you're standing in front of someone and you're a confessed Christian, that means the Holy Spirit, and they're not a confessed Christian, that means automatically that God has assigned you to be a witness to them. Whether you hate them or whether they hate you, all right? Doesn't matter. Because you're a disciple, and our king gave us a commission that says, go make disciples. And if you're a disciple, and you say you believe Jesus is your king, then the only rational response is for you to embrace that, invest in it, and say, God, I want to make a disciple today. Help me find an opportunity. Now, here's a problem that we face here in, 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 in America. Everybody thinks they're already a Christian, right? Most people think they're a Christian because they're not a Buddhist, they're not a Muslim, you know, they're not a Hindu. You got a few of those here in town, <laughs> that little Hindu temple. <laughs> but most people already think they're a Christian. So don't let that hinder you, all right? Uh, Ask them or tell them, you know, something, how, how encountering Jesus uh, in a deeper level changed your life. Or uh, uh, ask the Holy Spirit to give you words um, to open the door to the need in their heart. Or let me tell you what often is the case is someone will say, some, they, they will reveal something. Like, I'm really struggling with something. Oh, wow, what I've found when I'm in times of, you know, fear is that I can go to Jesus and I find him safety. Do you know Jesus on that level? Well, I, I go to church. That's what they say. But sometimes I play a game. I'll say, oh, yeah, really? What church? <laughs> oh, I go to the Baptist church. Oh, no, no. oh I, what's the pastor's name? Um, uh, let me see. Uh, <laughs> they don't know that. You don't play. You know, I don't have to play that game. <laughs> I only play that game sometimes when I think the guy's being open. But find the way. All right. This I want to do something right now. <clears throat> Would you close your eyes and pray? Or first of all, we're just gonna we're just gonna close our eyes and think for a minute here. <clears throat> 
Lord, we believe these to be your words. And we believe that this commission applies to us as much as it did to the leaven who heard it. Father, I ask, and, and I just encourage everyone here in this room to right now just, just ask the Holy Spirit for the name or bring to your remembrance one or two people in your life that he wants you to be a witness to. That he uh, has uh, commissioned you to be the one that communicates to them the real message of the gospel, the, the full message. Let's just take a few seconds here and, and wait and see if there's a name. Maybe it's a coworker, a clerk in a store that you know, a relative. And Father, I just pray that, um, and I just encourage you, each of you, if you get someone right now, that's great. If not, be praying about that. Who can I witness to? And then, and then just, just prioritize. Start praying for them every day. And every day, ask, every day ask Jesus, today, can I lead someone to you? Uh, can, I, can I bear fruit that gives you glory? Uh, and now I'm going to pray for you. Father, I pray that each and every person here in Jesus' name would receive the full authority that this commission is based on, the authority of Jesus himself and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. I pray that each person here would have the opportunity to lead someone into your kingdom, someone that is lost in the darkened life, that they would be the instrument by which you use to bring that person from darkness in the kingdom of your son, the kingdom of light, and from, a, from a deception of lies into a life of truth. I pray each person here would have that opportunity within the next year to lead at least one person and be the person that makes that prayer with them and can experience that joy. I ask this in Jesus' name, and I impart the authority and the power of, of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit upon each and every person here to be instruments, to be vessels of extending the kingdom yes. because it's your kingdom and you're uh, our leader and you've told us to do this and yes. we believe it can be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So one other thing I wanted to share is, is actually seven pages of notes. I didn't get to six of them. You know, no one thought you could run a four-minute mile. Did you remember that? Ever hear that story? People said it was physically impossible. Medical scientists studied it and said the, the, physical, the way the body is built, it's impossible for a, a human to run a, a mile in four minutes or less. Until 1954 when Roger Bannister did it. Two months later, someone else did it. Ten years later, high school students were doing it. Okay? Uh, and so a lot of times you don't believe something's possible because it's never happened. But once it happens, all of a sudden it becomes possible. You know, the early church saw people getting saved every day. We haven't seen that in our day. 
But I just saw, the day before yesterday, I got an email, I'm on an email list from a church out in California called Saddleback. And the pastor was real excited. He said, this Sunday we're going to do a baptism service. He said, and guess what? This Sundays we will baptize the 50,000th person that our church has baptized since the church was founded in 1980. 50,000th. He says, there will be hundreds of people baptized. We're actually going to keep track and figure out which one was the actual 50,000th. Now it works out to be 3.6 a day. In California. It's happening, folks. It can happen. Let's do it in Cass County. Let's do it in Cass County. If, if there's, there's about two to three billion Christians on planet Earth, if every Christian won one person to the Lord within two years, the entire human, the whole population of the planet would be saved. One Christian, one person, each Christian just win one person in a year. Because there's over two billion Christians, there's only seven billion people. All right? So the second year, there'd be four billion Christians, right? And if they all win, we'd have eight billion Christians, which is more people than there are people. <laughs> That's how easy it is. The goal is right there. Let's go for it. Run for it. Be released.